Chapter 37 And thus began the search for the seer of Saron. Having waited overnight with the otters, Orof and his companions stood alertly in their uniforms, the company of searchers trudging toward them. Orof had been informed that Blonde Suri would lead the way. He asked her to join him on his animal. I'll ride with you too, said Crooksfell, the mission's appointed leader, trying to put fear aside, climbing on with the two youngsters. Crooksfell's the commander, thought Speckerin, but Suri's in command. Once all were situated and the animals were in the water, Orof deferred to Surrey. Show us the way, she pointed upstream. Off they headed, Orof's Laka in the lead. Speckerin on the same animal was focused on staying hopeful and staying aboard, but also maintaining an eye on Surrey, bent on learning how she decided their course. Whenever approaching a bifurcation of the waterway, Orof would ask for direction. Each time she would indicate their course without delay. The magician wondered if she was only guessing. Perhaps, he thought, this is a jaglo. But, as she said, we must simply trust her directives. When they stopped for the night, they encountered a situation they would face the rest of the way. Sleeping was difficult, and would not get easier. The rest on the ground, the Cascadans brought mats and blankets in their packs. Speckerin's party found tree holes, where they were more than happy to spend the night. The Anvoke elders had tried to prepare, but had no experience in traveling. Tree holes, for them, were out of the question. Having brought extra clothing, they pulled it on before settling beside roots and under leaves on the ground. But their sleep was hardly sound. The surroundings affected everyone. They were used to sleeping indoors and in the dark. At this time of year, and this far north, daylight lasted throughout the night. The sky became dusky, but never dark even with a cloud covering, and they were anything but rested in the morning. As the journey wore on, the travelers occasionally encountered humans, in boats or on the shoreline. The Anvokes were from a reclusive clan that looked upon humans with contempt. The three elders had never seen any, and to them the occurrences were remarkable, charging them with both fear and excitement. But the otters swam purposefully by, the humans looked on with interest, and nothing noteworthy happened. For three days and nights, the weather was fair. On the fourth day, the skies clouded over and it began to rain. That was unpleasant enough, but things got worse. During the next eleven days, the skies were overcast, but during the day, it didn't rain. Yet every night, it did, and even in a tree hole, staying dry was impossible. Gratefully, however, the weather did not impede their progress. During the first quest, Speckerin had become accustomed to flight on Ocelon, but he could not get used to an otter. I did not look forward to this trip, he thought many a time, and I'll never be dry again. Just once, saving the world, I'd like to be comfortable. The mission was more difficult than anyone had anticipated. Lack of sleep, travel on slick animals, sporadic contact with humans, Persistent rain and anticipation about meeting the legendary seer had the explorers on edge. Only Surrey and the Cascadans were less affected. Surrey knew where they were going, and the Cascadans had but one responsibility, transporting the party. Suffering for the same reasons as everyone else, something additional afflicted Till. Since being released from Bailey, he had been troubled by recurring and gruesome nightmares. Now, away from home and family, 
they were worse and more frequent than ever. One morning, he told Surrey about them. On the boat, I was forced to summon unfortunate, unsuspecting creatures of the deep, innocent and full of life, to their deaths. I pictured them in their dark, watery world, alone and in groups, their routines disturbed by an alien invitation promising nothing, only asking them to come. They did. I wouldn't allow myself to think of their fate. But now, in my dreams, I see and feel their doom, strangling in nets, heads hacked off, bodies chopped up for food. The images are jumbled. Jack holds my friend Eric down while Bailey pounds his arms, legs. Then Bailey's under attack by unseen forces for revenge. Jolted awake in a cold sweat, I, I hope to never fall asleep again. Knowing everything about his nightmares, Surrey had been powerless to stop them. Now, hearing about them from him and realizing his suffering wasn't diminishing, she was more disturbed than ever and keen on getting to her great-grandmother in hopes something could be done. Speckerin's concerns about Surrey subsided. Still not certain how she was finding her way, he noted they were always going upstream, also noting the increasing proximity of Denali, the great mountain. He mentioned it to Surrey, recalling his strange premonition earlier that the mountain would come into play before his stay in the region was over. Surrey had numerous telepathic contacts with her great-grandmother. You're getting close, my child, she would hear. It will be good to see you. Since you left, I've had no guests, none. But some of your company will visit Bamenescent. I'll inform you when you can no longer travel by water. As the fourteenth day dawned, the clouds had disappeared and the sun shined vibrantly, a sight for sore eyes to wet and weary travelers. Starting off early, they hadn't gone far when Surrey spoke to Orof. This is as close as we can go by water. From this point on, we travel by land. It was my impression, said Orof, that we'd reach our destination by water. I will determine our next move, said Surrey. We must disembark, now. It was forested land, and the otters slithered ashore. Surrey left the others and hiked deep into the woods by herself. There she sat down on a sun-drenched rock to communicate with the seer. I want Till, said her great-grandmother, who underwent such anguish. I've perused the minds of visitors from afar. They interest me. I want Speckerin, Deliani, and Gilan, the brave lad captured with Till. The others must stay with the animals. Now, I'll see to the last leg of your journey. Surrey made her way back to the others. Four of you will go with me to meet the seer. Speckerin, Deliani, Gilan, and Till. Everyone else stays here. The three Cascadans hadn't expected to go, but this was a crushing blow to the others, who had all expected to go. The explorers were an exhausted bunch, which contributed to their dismay and words expressing it. Not hot, not rugum, said Speckerin. They're indispensable to our cause. We abhor separations. They always lead to trouble. I was left behind on the night of the great battle at the Hanging Stones, said Hut. Am I left behind again? Who determined this? growled Rugum Champter. After a difficult journey, the Anvokes were worse for the wear than the others. Crooksfell spoke for them. We come all this way and aren't allowed to meet the seer? 
Nonsense! Who's in charge of this affair? In case you've forgotten, it's me, and none of us will go. Surrey was firm. We must simply be off. She turned and started into the woods. Perhaps it's just as well, thought Crooksfell, glancing at Alum and Gingle. We're bone tired. The seer might know what she's doing. Surrey looked back. Those named began following, the others remaining where they were, and Surrey spoke to them. I'm not certain how long we'll be gone. The chosen ones trailing, she marched into the forest. Speckerin expected to meet the seer at any moment. Before very long, Surrey sat down on a log. Make yourselves comfortable, she said. Comfortable, said Speckerin. We haven't a clue what's happening. The seer works in her own way and at her own pace, said Surrey. She will see to the final leg of our journey. The rest had no choice. Though impatient, they waited. It was early afternoon before they heard something approaching, pushing through the trees and shrubbery. They strained to see what. A pair of gigantic horns appeared, wide, flat, and swaying as they came. Next was the head, then the body of an enormous and outlandish creature having a long muzzle, a short neck with a hump, an immense brown body, and long, thin legs. The strangest and largest creature they'd ever seen much larger even than the Anvoke's grizzly bears. A moose, said Deliani quietly. The antlers indicate it's a male. Speckerin glanced at the skies, and gliding above in circles were huge birds of a variety seldom seen in the home forest. They had massive dark wings, yellow feet, hooked yellow beaks, and white heads and tails. Eagles, said Deliani, counting twelve. Speckerin looked back at the animal. It was heading in their direction. When almost upon them, it threw back its head, sniffed the air through enormous nostrils, then stared directly down on them. Leaning forward, it bent its front legs until it was kneeling, then lowered and tilted its head until one antler touched the ground. Placing a foot on the horn and ascending a few steps, Surrey looked back. Climb on, she said, and the others followed. It'll be a long ride, she said. Make yourselves at home. Sitting down on a flat area of the antler, she wrapped an arm around an upwardly jutting branch, Till situating himself beside her. Settling near them, Speckerin found the surface surprisingly soft, almost furry. Surrey smiled. His name is Elflor. Deliani and Jilin found places near Speckerin. When all were seated, the beast lifted the antler from the ground, got gracefully to its feet, and started ambling at a leisurely pace, head swaying side to side. Soon, passing beyond the woods, the riders had an extraordinary view of the landscape, dominated on this clear day by the great mountain, their course gradually upward toward it, the eagles soaring and wheeling in a blue sky above. As Surrey had advised, it was a lengthy trip, and they were delighted not to take it on foot. Uneasy at the start, but captivated and calmed by the scene, Speckerin turned to Surrey. I assume we approach our destination. How did you find our way? She laughed. By the mountain. It was hard sometimes because it wasn't always visible. Why didn't you tell us where we were going? The seer instructed that I lead you. She does things in her own manner. 
Speckerin stood up, edged his way down the antler, crossed the beast's furry head, and climbed the opposite side. There he sat down alone, putting his feet up and enjoying the ride more than anything he had in many a day. Fluttering in the breeze and warmed by the sun, his yellow gown was almost dry. Being conveyed in a style he had never imagined, he began to have a fondness for the beast. Elflor, he thought, patting the antler. Good name, a very good name for you. He again remembered his premonition months ago, when his party arrived at the Anvoke's dwelling. Denali would come into play before the voyager's stay was over. How was I right, he thought. Guess what? It's where the seer lives. The incline became steeper, the mountainside intimidating, and the moose trudged steadily along. They were halfway to the top when the eagles flew ahead and glided in for a landing. Speckerin peered at their landing site. Atop a rocky outcropping was a large, dark mass. He had no notion what it was. Two eagles fluttered from the ground to the top of the mass, stationing themselves, the others vanishing into the side of the slope. We're getting there now, he thought. Soon he could see that the dark object, high and round, was made of twigs and small branches. It was remindful of the Cascadan's lodge, though here the sticks were hardly as tightly packed. The eagles on top seemed to be communicating in high-pitched wails and squeaks. The eagle's nest, said Deliani. Speckerin searched for an opening in the ground into which the other eagles had disappeared, but could see none. The sauntering beast stopped. He kneeled down on front legs, lowering an antler to the ground, and the riders disembarked. Getting to his feet, the gigantic animal began meandering away, Speckerin gazing after him, sorry to see him go. Now there, he thought, is an island. He glanced up. The two eagles were staring down, pale eyes unwavering. Sentinels, he said, and I think I know for whom. Surrey moved to an area beside the nest on the uphill slope, the others following. We enter here, she said. Speckerin saw nothing. She pushed aside brush and leaves, revealing a narrow, craggy fissure. The birds entered there, thought the magician. We're next. Follow me, said Surrey. Climbing into the hole, she disappeared from view. Till went immediately after, then Gielin and Deliani. Speckerin looked at the eagles. Protecting the seer, I see. No matter. I think I'm about to meet her.